mean, I think it's interesting because like automation and scale and data, sometimes people hear those terms and they think, okay, great. That lets us not have to talk to as many people. Right. And that's kind of the old world. You know, you think about automation in the old contact centers. It's like, how do we prevent this customer from ever being able to talk to us? Well, we're going to hide the phone number. We're going to make them use an interactive voice system that doesn't actually work. Right. We're going to have like some kind of chat bot thing that doesn't work. And that was avoiding human interaction. But I'd argue that all of the modern businesses where the customers have all this power and where you need to keep them, you need to grow them, you're trying to get more human interactions. What you're trying to do less of is like the administrative work, right? Less manual work, less low value work, less things that like could be an email instead of being a meeting. So you have more time to spend with human beings at your customers and your clients. I mean, I think everyone that I talk to wants more time with their clients, not less. Welcome to the Human Insight Podcast, where we help you bridge the empathy gap to bring you a valuable new understanding of some of the most innovative ideas and trends shaping the future of business and customer experience. Hi, everyone. As we wrap up season four of the Human Insights Podcast, we wanted to share a few bonus episodes with you. This is the last installment of three LinkedIn Live conversations that Andy and Janelle had as part of their user-tested book tour. In this episode, Andy talks with Nick Mehta, CEO at Gainsight, a customer success and product experience platform. We hope you enjoy the show. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us on a, uh, another conversation as part of our live uh, book series tour. Today, I'm excited uh, to have Nick on. Uh, just as a reminder... Uh, we are officially launching tomorrow with our book, User Tested, uh, which will be available uh, online. And we'll a little bit later talk about how you can get a free chapter if you'd like to uh, to take a look. Uh, so we're excited, Nick. We're just going to talk a little bit about customer centricity today. But I'd love to uh, just let everybody hear a little bit about your background. Nick is, uh, from my point of view, one of the most customer-centric CEOs uh, in the software industry. Uh, CEO of Gainsight has really championed customer focus, customer success, um, so maybe, Nick, just in case anyone doesn't know your background or know about Gainsight, maybe give us uh, just a little bit of background to fill people in. Totally, Andy. Yeah, first of all, great to be here. And congrats on the book. So exciting. man! You, you know that we've done books, too, and there are a lot of work. So excited that it's coming out, and I'm definitely going to read it. Um, so Nick made a CEO of Gainsight. I've been in enterprise software for about a couple decades now. I won't, I won't give the exact number. I'm too old now. But um, in those decades, you know, we I went from the old model where we would sell customers our products that they would buy them and pay up front and, you know, kind of they're going to use them no matter, or they're going to have it no matter what. And we move on to the next customer to then moving to these cloud and SaaS models where you got to constantly be driving value for customers. Most people refer to that process as customer success, you know, make your customers successful. They're going to stay with you longer. They're going to spend more money. They're going to be a bigger fan. And Gainsight, our whole mission is helping companies drive customer success through their teams. You know, they have CSM teams that are managing customers. We help them with that through their kind of customer communities, getting customers connected to each other, and actually in their products as well, helping to build products that more naturally are adopted and onboarded. Awesome. Yeah, I actually, I love, when we dive into this a little bit, I love the way that you've really um, brought Gainsight through that evolution, uh, which was really, you know, in the B2B software world is very, you know, field focused. And then totally. now we're really all trying to complement the field focus with sort of scale. So how do you think about balancing the sort of, I don't know if I'd call it scale or data centric approaches with the fact that we're all people like we like yeah. to act with other people we're human beings. Um, so how do you think about balancing that when folks are trying to run, 
you know, customer centric businesses, maybe in the like B2B software realm initially? Like, how do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because like automation and scale and data, sometimes people hear those terms and they think, okay, great, that lets us not have to talk to as many people, right? And that's kind of the old world. You know, you think about automation in the old contact centers, it's like, how do we prevent this customer from ever being able to talk to us? Well, we're going to hide the phone number. We're going to make them use an interactive voice system that doesn't actually work, right? We're going to have like some kind of chat bot thing that doesn't work. And that was avoiding human interaction. But I'd argue that all of the modern businesses where the customers have all this power and where you need to keep them, you need to grow them, you're trying to get more human interactions. What you're trying to do less of is like the administrative work, right? Less manual work, less low value work, less things that like could be an email instead of being a meeting. So you have more time to spend with human beings at your customers and your clients. I mean, I think everyone that I talk to wants more time with their clients, not less. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, you know, in the book, we highlight um, over 30 positive case studies of how people do that. I will tell you what you just described, Nick, was part of my morning. Uh, <laughs> I was in the trouble trees and I was, I was actually trying to do some work with my bank. Oh and uh, it was funny. I, I felt like I had a little PTSD while you were describing that of what my morning. But what was interesting is at one point, um, they just called me. I mean, it's such a simple thing. Like somebody yeah. just finally called me. It's like, what are you trying to do here? And we had like a two minute conversation. And like then the process that the rest of it is automated or whatever is going to sort of like work itself out. So I think that's right. I think sometimes right. we can be a little bit too so focused on trying not to have somebody involved that it's really hard to sort of get things get things done. Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing there. You know, people use terms like, call deflection, right? Like how do we deflect so the call, people don't call us, right? Like, which feels like the uh, the wrong strategy for the future. I don't know, as a customer, I love the idea of being deflected from the brands. So I think that's right. Um, so maybe if, um, if I don't want to put you on the spot, but like give me a, a sense of a good experience that you think you've had. Like when you think of a great customer experience, Nick, as somebody, I mean, you probably like me, you see it, right? You live in it. Like, I feel like now I, I live in this world being at user testing where like when I see a certain UI design or a bad experience, yeah. I'm like I'm so tuned into this now that I'm like, that's not a good answer. Um, what kind of customer experiences really sort of surprise and, and delight you in, in your, you know, from your point of view? Yeah, it's interesting. And I'll, I'll answer kind of as a human being, like as a consumer, and then also maybe from a business perspective too, just give you two different lenses, right? So a human being, I'll, I'll choose perhaps the controversial one now, because I'm definitely one of those advocates. I think the Peloton customer experience is incredible, whether or not they're good at deciding how much inventory they should have or how many, you know, those right. types of things, maybe, yeah, they need to change. But like one thing I love about it is they combine human and digital, right? So you think about the Peloton and, you know, even if you haven't ridden one, I think everyone knows what Peloton is, digital, digitally connected bike, right? I think it, it's basically these three different things together that to me, like, are the ingredients for a great experience in the future. So number one is human beings, right? So what, what is Peloton? If you ride it, it's your relationship with this coach, right? Like, I mean, I am on team Cody, if you know Cody Rigsby and many others, by the way, but Cody is definitely my number one. And like, you know, it's that coach, that relationship you have, right? And that human connection that's facilitated, obviously, through internet and whatever. And then number two is, it's the digitally instrumented product that lets me see my rides and my watts and my whatever, right? And then number three, it's the community of human beings. We have all those other people riding and you see the leaderboard and the high fives and the hashtags, right? And so those three things together, you know, Cody, you can think of him as almost like the CSM, the customer success manager, right? The fitness success yep. manager. You've got the bike. That's kind of like the product led growth type thing. And then you've got the community. 
And I think those are the three ingredients that you need. And picking now a more B2B example, a company I think does a really good job of this, and we, we use them, and you might use them too, they're pretty popular, is, is Gong, right? Which is a call recording software for people. It's more than that. It's kind of revenue intelligence, but the core is it records all your calls with customer conversations, et cetera, et cetera. And um, you know, use it for basically sales training and, and things like that. And what I love about Gong is there's this, they, they do a great job of customer success. Their CSM team really works with us. They've got a um, product that's instrumented to drive value in the product itself. And they've got this great community. So I kind of feel like that triad of those three things to me is like the future. I, I think that's right. I feel like um, one of the things about Gong too, and, and companies like them that you also feel like they just get it. I mean, they're, no. they're trying to help a sales team be successful. It's that's like, right. What do you need to be successful as a sales team? You need successful salespeople. What does it take to be a successful salesperson? Like you've got to know the market, the competitive situation, how to respond and interact with customers. And it's like, well, how do you, how do you get good at that? And they've really taken, uh, I think for sales, great sales teams, I think are sort of learning sales teams or sort of goal oriented. Yep. And, and I feel like part of that space that's so interesting is it sort of uses that mentality to the extreme advantage of like, this is a bunch of highly competitive people that want to be great at their craft. Let's give them tools that make them better. Um, and I think there's something about that. I think that's really special. That's a really good point. Cause that is a, the core thing. And I think in both examples, it's this understanding of the customer at a deep level, right? Actually, one of the misnomers about Gong early on, people thought, oh, salespeople won't want to have their calls recorded, but actually it turns out the opposite. It's exactly what we said. Salespeople want to get better, right? So they love having things recorded so they can get better and learn and stuff like that. So I think that's a good example of a, uh, maybe a surprising thing, maybe even they learned as they were iterating, like yeah. how much people were leaning into that. Uh, one of the things that um, uh, my last company, when I was at Acton Software, that was interesting was they would listen to each other's calls live. And so your call would end and you're like fresh off the call. And then other people would give you some feedback on how the call went. I thought that was a really oh, interesting, like, cool teaching experience, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I guess if you had an experience in your uh, sort of product centric background where you learn something about users that surprises you. And I, I think we find this, we're all used to being data driven, right? You're reading yeah. the data and you're driving the metrics and all this. And then you have those moments and, and we've all had them. We sort of like take a step back and you're like, I hadn't thought of it like that, but that's really interesting. Like if you had moments that really changed how you thought of your own products from talking to customers or learning something about customers. Every, yeah. Every, like every week, because I mean, I really think I love data but I think data without the human insights is almost like it's at best um, neutral and at worst it's dangerous um, because you you end up just coming up with like stories that may or may not be true about what that data is telling you, right? And so we have our um, price similar to you, Andy. We do review meetings of like the products, right? So we for us, we have different teams in our company. So about 25 different product teams that build different yep. parts of the Gainsight product suite. And then I have a review with each of those teams, basically once a quarter. So kind of divided up over the quarter, there's, you know, meeting different teams at different times. And when those reviews happen, people present, you know, their, their data, right? So adoption data, how much is this feature being used? Um, they present information about, you know, NPS and feedback and all that. And I always ask them to have customer stories on there, right? Because I want to know like real customer stories so we can see both those together. I'll tell you an example of an area where we really almost went totally wrong. So we have an, a, um, a really cool AI-based bot that lives in Slack that you can talk to to basically tell you about customer health and things like that. And that product was not being, it was being adopted by maybe 10% of our users overall. So we were like, oh gosh, this thing isn't taking off. You know, we should, you know, I don't know, should we just like put in maintenance mode or whatever? And it turned, I, randomly, I was in a um, meeting uh, one of our customers 
And they said, oh, our CEO is addicted to that bot. And then we dug in more and it turned out like it was 10% of our users, but it was like the most important 10% of our users, <laughs> right? And, and it was like, and they were like using it to prepare for meetings and they were like super, you know, kind of religious about it. And so it was one of those situations where if you hadn't had some customer interaction, you would have made exactly the wrong decision. It turned out it was actually very important for us, but the data might've showed us that it wasn't. So that's an example. We, I love it. We had a, uh, it reminded me of an example when I was working at, at Salesforce. I hadn't thought of this in a long time, but, but your story jogged my memory of, um, we had this one page that uh, in my product area, we thought was, it was our most visited page. And we mm-hmm. spent this incredible amount of time trying to optimize that page and, and, you know, all this kind of stuff and what people were spending time on. And interestingly, the next page most people visited was often the homepage. So it's like whatever they were doing, they were completing and then they were going all the way back. We're like this, like, so we had all this time being spent on optimizing this page. And we actually did a little bit of user research. Uh, it was before I knew about user testing. We actually paid a firm to help us figure this out. And what we found was people were going there by mistake. Like it was like they were wandering into this page looking yes. for something else. And so we were spending all this time. And it was sort of one of these things where like, the word could kind of mean two things and they were looking for one version of like what they were trying to do. Totally. And so we, here we are thinking like we're capturing all this traffic in this great area and they're, they're so happy with it. They're going to the homepage afterwards. And it's like, no, no, they're, they're so frustrated they that they've wandered into the wrong it. part of the site. They're yeah. literally starting over. <laughs> so it was like, That's such you know. a good, good example. I, that's why I feel like every time I see data, I'm like, I want to know the stories because how do we know what hypotheses we even have based on this data? If we don't have stories, I think, Stories give you the hypothesis, and then you can use data to prove the hypothesis, right? I could go in that example I showed, I could have gone and looked at all the other users of this you know, feature and looked them up on titles and figured out, is that true or not? But um, without stories, how do you have hypotheses? Right. Well, I, I agree with that. I think it's it's the hypothesis. So it's funny. It's like we start there, and it's also where we end. I feel yeah, like uh, as, yeah. as the CEO, it's how I communicate, right? I, I tell stories to folks what we're doing. It's, right. it's even what... See what politicians do when they when they get out on the road. You know, they they tell us about the data, but then they tell us a story. You know, they tell like, oh, oh, I met a woman in Iowa, and here's what she told me. And you're like, oh yeah, that's the thing we should go fix. Like it's sort of how we. It's also how we sort of rally the troops. Maybe that's another area I'd, I'd love some thoughts from you on, which is um, you did this. I thought it was great this whole human first uh, leadership yeah. series for a while, uh, but really talking about how when we run a business, we spend a lot of time looking at our P and Ls, our operating metrics, and stuff. But ultimately you know, we're leading people and we're sort of, so tell us a little bit, um, maybe slightly adjacent to our topic, but even in the book, we talk a little bit about how companies are using uh, our platform and platforms like it to, to get feedback from employees about what they're yeah. about because it's not just data. Um, so how do you, in a, you know, a scaling tech centric company stay connected to people in your organization? Like how do you, how do you continue to be a people first leader at the scale you're at? Totally. And just for the context for people that didn't follow that, you know, one of the things we talk about at Gainsight is human first business. And it's actually our our mission statement is actually nothing to do with customer success. It's to be living proof you can win in business while being human first. And so human first is the idea that all of the different entities we interact with in business, we call them customers or prospects or deals. We call them candidates. We call them alumni. They're just human beings, right? Even your competitors are just human beings. Like that's a crazy thought, but it's true. And so how do we have a more human approach to everyone we interact with? And it's a huge part of everything that drives our company and our values and all that. And so to answer your question, um, obviously we want those human interactions with our team as well. And really, really getting to know them as people 
Um, and so we, what we do, I don't think is radically different. We do tons of round tables. And I, when I do the onboarding, I only talk about our values in human first. I don't talk about anything else. And, you know, I ask people actually one kind of cool little thing. I, after I onboard, you know, every, you know we're hiring, you know, 40, 50 people a month. When I onboard them, I tell them all to send me a Slack message today um, because I know you're a new employee and it's like intimidating to slack the CEO, but if you send me one, the next one won't be intimidating. So I just tell them, send me a GIF, send me an emoji, send me a joke, send me, you know, whatever. And, um, and really just trying to build some of those direct connections, especially as you know, Andy, right now, like with less in-person interaction and with a great resignation, it's like more important than ever. And so something we're really, really passionate about is trying to create more and more forms for people to just be their authentic human selves. I love that. I'm going to steal that. By the way, I have Please no uh, no no pride of uh, of uh, stealing stuff from from Nick and great ideas on how to run a company. I stole uh, many from you too, Andy. So we'll call it even. <laughs> I, I think that's a great one. And it's funny. Um, one of the things we talk about uh, with customers of ours is that um, one of the hardest things for folks that are new to the area of collecting uh, feedback like this is doing the first one, launching the yes. first test. Uh, especially some folks do what are called uh, live interviews will actually, you know, like this, they'll get on and they'll talk to a real user. And if you're from a, um, you know, maybe more behind the customer lines role in a company where maybe you're a, you know, a designer or an engineer and you don't work with customers every single day, it's sort of one of these, like the first getting that first one done. And then you go, wow, that was really illuminating. Like I learned all these things about the people that use the thing I designed, the thing that I build. Uh, it's really quite rewarding. And you sort of get going, but it's, it's funny how that first, like that first step is the one that sort of gets people comfortable with the idea that it really shouldn't be intimidating to talk to customers, to kind of listen to their needs. Uh, what what things do you do to get out and, and talk to customers? Maybe get out being an interesting phrase with the way we're all living on Zoom yeah. now. But like, what do you do to stay connected to, to your customers? I mean, you have customers all over the world. Yeah, totally. No, I do a lot. In fact, actually, if you Google um, uh, Nick Meta 500 customers, I wrote this whole kind of like 10 step, the toolkit of what I do to stay in touch with customers and you know, none of it's rocket science, but there's some stuff about creating habits as you know, Andy, Andy, it's all about habits, right? So in, in some example habits are like, we obviously have an executive sponsor program. I know you, I'm sure you do for your big clients as well. And I'm an exec sponsor for clients. And so are, we use our own software Gainsight to remind me and then kind of come up with like a draft note to send to the client, you know, that says, Hey, want to reconnect, et cetera, right? So that, that happens naturally. Another thing that happens pretty consistently is when we're in a sales process with a potential client, sometimes we want to connect with the executive so we can understand, okay, what are their high level goals? And so we can make sure we align to those and the, the sales team will identify those folks. And then I'll reach out to that client and set up a call. Um, but one of the things that we try to do is also just stay on top of those serendipitous moments to interact with clients, right? So you have that, and to me, looking at company news is huge. You know, when we have a feature in our product and it's pretty easy to do in lots of ways which alerts you to news about your customer. So news about your customer is a great way to reach out, reason to reach out. Right? I'm sure you do that too. It's like, oh, they just raised money. They just went public. They just did X, Y, and Z. And so kind of doing that. And then last one, I think, which is kind of ties back to this human first thing. To me, one of the most um, biggest opportunities for all of us is to reach out to people in their career process, whether it's they're looking for a job and they want advice or they just got let go, unfortunately, and they need a job or um, they just took a new job and they're trying to get up to speed and really trying to help people. And as you know, Andy, I'm being laser focused on this one career of customer success management. I've gotten to know it very, very well. And like pretty much anyone, most people looking for a job will end up reaching out to me or Gainsight. And then most companies looking for people will reach out to us. And we, we host, you know, events for new customer chief customer officers to get to know each other. And so that whole process to me of the career 
is a chance to lean into your customer's humanity. Because one thing is common, all of us like actually want to have a successful career, whatever job you're in, right? And so there's a chance to kind of know your customer, not just as like a business, but as a human being with career aspirations. I, I like that. And I like uh, your thought on sort of the serendipitous opportunities, but maybe also nudged by what's going on in the world. Yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things that we have found with some of our customers is that when they're when their brand, when their product, when their company is sort of having a moment, it's actually a great time to go do customer feedback collection, to go do research. Yeah. It's like, oh, like I was just thinking about you guys. It's like, well, it's not a coincidence. Like we're sort of leaning into that market opportunity. Uh, and I like that. And I also think um, one of the other things that uh, I remember reading through your your list of 10 things and, and sort of the habits that you form. And I think one of the things that I really valued in uh, the perspective that you bring to getting customer feedback is, it's not just the ones that folks bring you as the CEO, right? Yeah. I mean, you want to you want to see what's going on across the business. It can't just be the ones everybody is sort of handing in front of you. Um, I think it's similar. I mean, we we hear a lot of companies now saying, "How do I go deliberately find different audiences, different perspectives, different voices to listen to and what I'm doing?" And that's even a little bit harder in today's like Zoom era, where you're only getting the things you sort of connect to. Um, and so finding those ways to sort of um, reach outside the typical lines of communication. We've been doing uh, here at user testing some sort of, um, we did like a random mix up for a little while as part of our company kickoff where you just sort of connect with different people in part because it is it is harder to have that like serendipitous run in. Uh, and I think that's true with customers too. I mean, I, I don't know that it's as easy anymore if you're in uh, merchandising to just run into some customers at a storefront these days yeah. or, you know, things like that. So I think no, that's a good point. It's interesting because one example that I went through in the last year is I, um, in our company, in our in our customer base, as, as I'm sure with yours, there's different roles, right? So in our case, there's a executive that's running customer success, a you know, chief customer officer, a VP of customer success. There might be managers and directors. And there's actually a role that's quite important in our field called customer success operations. That's the people that are managing the processes and the systems like Gainsight and so on. And those people, honestly, as the CEO of a you know, 1,200-person company, I'm not, I'm not like the sales team isn't having me reach out to them, Right. And so, but I, but I think they're so important to get that story and that voice. And so last year I basically gave myself an OKR, which was, I want to do one call a week with a CS operations person. Right. And so I basically reached out to a bunch of them and they were all very kind. I said, I'll send you a Gainsight Jersey if you do the call with me. And the call literally was just like, tell me your career story. And then how do we make it easier for people in this career? How do we enable you, support you, et cetera. And I learned so much, not just like tactical, we should do X, Y, and Z, but just who these human beings are, what motivates them, you know, things like that. So that was so cool. I think that's awesome. And one of the things too, that's um, an interesting analogy or, or analogous between our um, our users and your CSM community is, you know, Gainsight really created in many ways an industry, a, yeah. a new way of doing things, a new practice. And it's one thing to sort of preach that to the choir, right? I'm sure there were people in customer support roles or account executive roles oh, and really wanted to see that change. It's also a different thing to get organizations to sort of uh, value that, manage that, make it part of the process. And I think a lot of our users go through that same experience. When we talk to UX researchers and things like that, they say, look, I'm always trying to like champion my work, champion what I'm doing, champion my team. Like what, what guidance do you give to those kind of CS ops people or CS leaders. I mean, you must have, I, I bet you have a conversation a week with a CS leader who's like, how do I make it more visible in my organization? Yeah. How do I make every sure day, it's a every day, actually, literally. Yeah. So, yeah. so what, I mean, when, so we do those same things in UX research. How, what advice do you give to folks when they're sort of championing, you know, scaling their function, having impact across the company? 
Totally. I mean, number one would be grit because these things take a while, right? You got to keep going and it, it, it's never going to be one thing. And all of a sudden the light bulbs goes off. And, but I think there's a couple of things that we've learned. Okay. So one is that obviously you want to be able to make that connection to the business model, right? How does what you're doing connect to the business model of the company? And so, as you know, Andy, we've done a lot of work to help customer success people translate their work to the ROI of like shareholder value. Customer success can increase your multiple or your market cap or whatever, and kind of arming them with that messaging that might work at the CEO level, the CFO level, the board level. But the second thing I think is arming them with the peer-to-peer messaging of how this is going to help their peer functions, right? So in our case, how does customer success help the product team? How does it help sales team? How does it help marketing team, right? What's that What's that mutual connection? And same thing, I mean, what you do helps every department in the company, right? I mean, it's like you were saying before, it just happens that you have a kind of a key stakeholder that gets it started, right? Yep. And how do you arm them with what's the message on how they help everyone else? So sometimes I think people think CEOs have more power than they do. They're like, how do I convince my CEO? And I'm like, Honestly, for the most part, I say yes to everything in Gainsight. But like the truth is, like to really get things done, you need to convince a lot of other people, right? I'm sure same things through at user Exactly. Tech, right? It's like, exactly. How, how do you build those like mid-level relationships and help other people out? And the example I always give you from the, I'll give you from the CS world, uh, CS people often are like, oh, how do I help influence my product team, right? That's a very common thing. Well, I want to make yeah. my product better for my customers. Totally. All, we all agree on that. Well, the way to not do it is make your relationship always just be about, escalation, right? The normal way that uh, things happen often is customer success person says, we got to build this feature. We got to fix this bug. And the product product person has like a thousand requests like that in their queue, right? There's no shortage. You and I both worked in product. There's no shortage of people asking you for stuff on your product, right? Yeah. But instead of the CS person, in, or not instead, but in addition to the CS person approach, the product person says, hey, um, I saw one of your goals this quarter is working on this new product. How can I help you? Can I assemble a panel of customers for you to talk to? Can we create an advisory board? Like, so how do you actually help them? So I, th- I think that's something to always think about is like, genuinely, like, what are you doing to help them in their goals? I, I love that. And I, I think um, one of the things we've been talking to our customer base about is that, especially in B2B uh, companies, the opportunity to partner with the CS team from a design and research standpoint, totally. I feel like it's sort of like an untapped massive opportunity. It's like you're trying to go out and collect qualitative feedback. You've got a team of folks deployed, talking to customers, collect like kind of connecting those two dots. Seems yes. like a, a big opportunity. I really think it is. Yeah, for CS folks watching, it's it's. I think it's an interesting use case for user testing. So yeah, we'll have to build out one of those. Uh, like we'll build out a flow between Gainsight and yeah. user testing. So I, it's, can, I, uh, can capture there you that. go. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, good, Nick. I um, I really enjoyed the conversation. I want to be cognizant of everyone's time. We we uh, said we'd run for thirty. We're we're kind of coming up on uh, on that time. Um, yeah. I, this has been a really great conversation. We've we've you know covered a whole bunch of ground on how people can kind of complement data with human insight and feedback that people get. So with that, Nick, thanks so much for joining us and, and sort of helping us on our virtual book tour. Uh, really a pleasure to have you on, and I'm sure everybody really enjoyed the insights you provided. Thanks, Andy. Congratulations again. Super exciting. All right. Thank you. Want to keep the conversation going? You can visit our podcast hub, usertesting.com slash podcast, and check out past episodes. If you haven't already, don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or Google Play, so you can never miss a good episode. And if you enjoyed today's show, please share it with a friend or leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. 